the 21st season of MLS is about to kick off on Sunday, and even though we just had a CONCACAF Champions League bloodbath, I think it's fair to say it's still reason to be excited. This is the SBI Show. I am Ibis Kalarsep, and yes, we are back. I'm sure you guys thought maybe we wouldn't be back, or the show wouldn't be back, but the show is back. I'm here. Uh, my main man, Garrett Cleverly, is not here. He's, uh, you know, he, he's busy doing other things. We'll, we'll probably have him on here and there. But uh, we won't have the same setup as, as we've had before. It'll it'll just be me along with uh, special guests, and maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll bring in a, a new co-host down the road. Uh, and we have our first candidate for that position uh, joining us today, the the great Paul Tenorio, former former Orlando Sentinel star beat writer, now moving on to be a, a TV star in Chicago. Paul, say hello to everybody. What's going on? I think like if I can become the co-host, then that goes ahead of TV star. It's like the <laughs> SBI podcast co-host and TV star. I think that's what that's I wanted. That's to be. the next. That's the next step, actually. Yeah, you, you work your way up. Work your way up from TV to SBI co-host, and then and then from there you you'll blow up, and then uh, you'll you'll have all the jobs. So. Exactly. And you won't have to write anymore. That that's that's the best part. I don't know if I can get to that point, man. Tell me when I get to that point. That's that's the that's what everyone shoots for is to just just do, just pick up a mic, talk for like an hour, and then go home and then hang out all day. That's I think the dream of every a very writer. So, cash the checks. You're on your you're on your way. You're on your way. So, so yes, we will talk MLS today. We'll talk the Eastern Conference. We're going to preview. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are asking about a preview. Uh, con- uh, we do it every year. This is the fourth year now. The SBI show. And we always do our MLS season preview. This episode, we'll be talking about the Eastern Conference, and then for the next episode, we'll be talking about the Western Conference and also having our uh, MLS predictions for awards and who we see winning the whole thing. Uh, All the stuff you want to remember and listen to 10 months from now and make fun of us uh, for how wrong we were. That's usually how it works. Uh, Prior history is shown. But uh, today, on this episode, we're going to talk about the Concacaf Champions League. We're going to have to talk about the U.S. national team logo or the U.S. soccer logo which a lot of people are freaking out about. <laughs> a lot of people don't like it, and we'll get Paul's take on that as well. Uh, but first things first, CONCACAF Champions League, the bloodbath is is gone down. 0-4, MLS is eliminated. Liga MX took a hammer to MLS, 4-0, a sweep. What do you think, Paul? What, what are your kind of takeaways from that, that bloodbath? I mean, first of all, how unexpected was it really? The, the at least the 0 and 4 part you know I, I mean at this point MLS is still playing catch up with League MX when it comes to talent um they're still they're still trying to get to the point not just 1 through 11 but depth wise i guess for me I, I wasn't expecting MLS to to come out of this with two or three wins i i thought maybe there'd be at least one series that that were that someone would come out of and i think for me the bigger thing was they, these teams got rocked. I mean, for the most part, right? Like Real Salt Lake w- was the one team that that had a shot till the very end. But I just felt like it wasn't. It didn't feel competitive, really, right. this year. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It, it pretty much went a- as expected. I think for anyone who really pays attention, uh, not only is the schedule an issue, and it is an issue, but when it comes down to it, League MX is better than MLS. The, the top teams in, in Liga MX are just better than MLS. And that gap, while it has closed, the fact is the gap was big to begin with. And, and it's not enough to say the gap closed. And I know a lot of people get, get up in arms about the idea of the excuse of the schedule. And and, and, it, and you can call it an excuse, but it, it's a real thing. And what people need to, what you should try to say, if you, like with Don Garber, he made this whole point a few weeks ago about the schedule. 
when you just talk about the schedule and you don't acknowledge that, listen, schedule aside, Mexi- the Mexican League is better. Um, but when you don't say that, it kind of it leaves that door open for people to think, oh, if the schedule was different, MLS would be the one sweeping this series, and that's just not reality. These teams, MLS, the Mexican teams are deeper, uh, and, and that that gap has not closed yet. And until the schedule changes, th- these are gonna, for the most part, be these kind of blowouts. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, anyone that watches MLS preseason. You, you you sit and watch these teams train, and, and obviously it gets it goes from progressively incredibly ugly to less ugly. And I think it's until the end of March, early April, that you start to see these teams round into form, and, and that's to be expected And and until there's some kind of shift. And I don't even think it needs to be like a total flip-it-on-its-head drastic shift. Like if CONCACAF wants to keep the this round in the spring – you know, if you just moved it back a few weeks, maybe to, you know, the start or, you know, the start of April and you start MLS one or two weeks earlier, I think even that little month long cushion would give MLS teams enough time to make this more competitive. But there's no way that MLS or any league is going to be able to compete with a team if you're in preseason, compete with the team that's midseason. And I think, I mean, we even see it on the flip side when the European teams come on their preseason tours. And they play MLS teams. It, it, it just that's the way it works in pro sports. The, the fitness levels you see, you saw it. They hit the seventy minute mark, and it went downhill right. from there right. consistently. It's, right, and it's not just fitness; it's sharpness. I mean, when you totally. when you got those match, there's 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 no substitute for for match play and, and the sharpness that you develop. And you saw some of these matchups, some of these games. Uh, where the precision of the Mexican teams and 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 they already they have skill as it is they're, they're already technically gifted as it is but when you're in midseason form when when you're already a technically gifted team and you're in midseason form it's like chasing shadows if you're an MLS team and and I and I think it's 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 one of these things where I feel like MLS fans or casual MLS fans kind of ignore is the fact that how ugly the beginning of the season always is in MLS. The first month of the season is always a bit of a, it's just a bit of a, a struggle. It's a, the games are not really uh, that attractive and, and the league really takes a while to get going. And like you said, it's, it, it's April, May, and definitely into the summer when the teams really start to hit their stride. And just looking at real quick at these series, uh, it, like you mentioned, RSL, the team who I probably thought had the least chance to win their series, actually put up the best fight. Credit to them. Credit to Jeff Kassar. And, and I tell you what, they look they look like a team that's gonna gonna cause some problems this year. Yeah, you know, I obviously I've been paying attention to RSL because you know even though I'm not gonna be here for the Orlando City opener, that's who they play, and I, I was interested to see what they look like because I kind of felt like this is a team that's getting older. Where are they really going to threaten you? Obviously, Plata is, is the kind of guy you think of. But when you watch them, the, the, they had a dynamic triangle going forward. And, and they were impressive. They looked dangerous. Talk about that sharpness. Like, Mozesian finishes that ball on the back post mm. in, in, in April. You know what I mean? Right, right. I, I mean, but they looked like they have the pieces in place where they're going to be a tough team to, fe- to defend because they've got uh, a target in the middle now in Moivzician who who causes you problems. They've got the midfielders coming in behind it who are technical, um, who will take you on. I thought I thought Burrito looked fantastic today. I, he was he was a nightmare. I think he's gonna he's gonna make some defenders look silly this season. So I, I don't know. They might they might end up being one of the surprise teams in the West that make me reconsider. 
kind of where I thought they'd end up this year. Yep, definitely. And you know how it goes. It's always the case where you have CCL te- a team that does better than people expect to CCL. And all of a sudden, the, the, the predictions change. And a team that maybe you might have had ninth in the West, all of a sudden looks like they're fifth in the West and they're going to make the playoffs. But, yeah, no, RSL definitely impressed. And a, and a team that did not impress that I think everyone was expected to impress is the LA Galaxy. And I got to tell you, man, they look like they look horrible in that second in that second leg and and on one hand it's not surprising because a lot of these guys are new the team that a lot of these guys are getting to know each other but at the same time it was just it was just so bad the second leg was just embarrassing how bad they looked you talked about this early on from the very beginning that that some of these players that were bringing in van damme is is the best example is transitioning he's a left back trying to learn how to play center back and he gets thrown in to playing Liga mx teams in mid-season form as his introduction to his new position so that I think you could kind of guess was always going to go poorly but I I still don't think they have the answers in midfield yet right it doesn't look like all the pieces quite fit together and I think and I think the the question is is this an example of kind of what Bruce Arena tried to tried to predict and allude to before this series started that hey we're two to three months away from this looking like it's going to look or is it hey you know what these pieces don't really fit and it's never going to come together, and it's not going to look good. You got a bunch of big names, and you still don't have the answers. And that I, I don't know which place to put them in yet. I would, I would guess it's going to be that it's going to come together eventually, because there is so much talent. But I don't know, man. I, there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not ready to to kind of jump on that train. It is as bad as they look. I, I, I do think I, I kind of agree with, with Bruce Arena in that it, it's the kind of project that's going to take time to come together. If there's something that stands out to me as a con- that should be a cause for concern is the, is is Steven Gerrard, and, mm-hmm. and we're, we're talking about a guy who just did not look good last year. And obviously, at that time, you're thinking, okay, well. You know, he came in the middle of the year. That's always an issue, and and fitness was an issue for him, so he never got going. But now he he was all he, he was the worst. He might have been the worst player on the field. I mean, I know Jelle Van Damme was uh, had a horrible night as well, but I mean, Gerard was 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 terrible. So he 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 the Galaxy is they they'll go as far as he lets them go because he is such a big part of the of what what they've built there. I mean, they they brought in De Young, Nigel Nigel De Young to help. Uh, pick up the slack uh, defensively for him and Gio DeSantos. And, and if he can't give you much in the attack, then all of a sudden L.A. becomes a, a lot weaker team than we're used to them being. And, and, and you know what? Maybe he maybe he has to retire early. But, again, it's early. Just give him some time. But if I'm worried about anyone, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to worry a little bit about Gerard. That's got to be one of the most intriguing storylines of the season to watch, right? Because when have we had – a legitimate MLS DP big name guy sit on the bench. Has it happened really? And if there's a coach that would be willing to do it, it's Bruce Arena. So does that happen? Do you see Steven Gerrard sitting on the bench for the LA Galaxy? It's a, it's a tough move to make, but it might become a necessary one. And the only person I can even think of is at one point last year, Josie Altidore was on the bench for a little bit, but we've not seen one of these big name European well, stars. I, I think Tim Cahill comes to mind toward the end of his time in New York when uh, he kind of fell out of favor there. That that's one that comes to mind in recent memory. I mean, even Rafa Marquez when he was when he was terrible 
for New York still managed to play pretty regularly. But uh, but yeah, no, it's not an easy move. And I think I think Bruce Reed is already kind of trying to set the tone there with with his team after this last game when he kind of came out and said, "Listen, we had no stars tonight," and that was kind of uh, uh, maybe a shot at his bigger name guys who, who didn't deliver. I, I mean, for me, I think LA. Uh, for me, I like Gio DeSantos. I think he'll get uh, he'll be better this year. I think I think uh, when you talk about their defense, I think it'll come together. I like Ashley Cole. I think Ashley Cole is going to have a big year for them. I know everyone's writing him off. Everyone hates him because of the beach comments, but I think he'll be okay. Van Damme is going to take some time, and that's what people need to realize. He, he as big as he is, you would think he was a left back, but yeah, he was a left back for 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 most of the past few years. It's going to take time for him to learn uh, center back. Continuing on Champions League talk, we have to talk about uh, the Seattle Sounders, and uh, once again, obviously they go down to Mexico, and it looked like they would have a chance to to pull it out, and and it, it was looking promising early on. Uh, but think things got real ugly real quick. What would you think of the Sounders and how they looked? Uh, honestly, I think this is another example of kind of the preseason sharpness that you're talking about, but from the mental standpoint. It was like they weren't ready to handle the weight of these games. They, they score these huge goals and then right away give up the equalizers and then right after that give up another goal. And it happened in both games. And I just felt like, they were kind of missing that 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 necessary understanding of the moment in a game where you know you've you've just scored an important goal and the next five minutes are so critical to to maintaining the momentum and at least keeping the other team from getting back in the game and they they couldn't do it. I, it was it was a little bit shocking for a team that that the one thing you're not going to say about Seattle they're not young they're not inexperienced that's a team with a lot of experience and you expect them to be able to to hold on to a lead better than they did in this series i just thought defensively they were a mess in both legs uh brad evans in both legs had some had some breakdowns tyrone mears had an absolute shocker in the second leg uh and i think i i agree i think with time it'll kind of they'll settle in but the, the defense was not ready for this series and i thought i thought seattle's attack showed some promise i thought jordan morris showed well i mean we're talking about the first pro games of his career uh, and so he, you know, he, there's some promise there. And I think Clint Dempsey's going to have a big year. Uh, even, you know, even though Obafemi Martins is gone, uh, I think he'll, he'll manage, uh, to, I think he'll step it up and kind of fill that gap uh, or help fill the void. The, the key for them is what they do with this DP spot, right? Are they going to go get a playmaker? Are they going to get another forward? You know, Seattle, they have the money. They're not afraid to spend the money. They'll have somebody big by the summer, you'd imagine. So you wonder how that's going to work. I think Seattle will be okay, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a disappointing uh, series for sure. But again, you have to look at the opponent and the quality that they have. And Sam Weiss is unbelievable, right? I mean, he set up every goal every goal that they, they scored. And then Darwin Quintero has been terrorizing MLS teams for what seems like 100 years now. Yeah, so it was fun to watch them play and to watch that, that level of talent. You know, you talk about the difference between Liga MX and MLS, it's those types of players right there. I think the more the more Quinteros you can get, the the excitements in Buesa, it, it I just think that that is that is what this league is missing, that that technical skill. So uh, for me, I I agree with you defensively. I think Torres coming back from injury is going to be kind of a make-or-break moment for the Seattle team and and how quickly he can get back up to form. Right, right. No, and to be fair, I mean, I think MLS has done a good job in recent years of adding those types of guys. When you talk about Diego Valeri, Mauro Diaz, Ignacio Piatti, 
uh, we're seeing more of that kind of player uh, there. And obviously, Javier Morales was before that, and Christian Gomez before that. But now there's more of them. Now that now, I feel like now there's more of them. They've done a good job of uh, tapping into that market down in South America. Uh, but just uh, Seattle happens to be a team that hasn't had that, and and they could definitely use that. So you look at them, and you hopefully say, and you hope that you know they they look at their team. And I think when you have Dempsey, Valdez, and Morris. You don't have to necessarily go get a forward to replace Mars. I think if you get a playmaker, a true attacking midfielder, I think they'll be fine. I think that'd be the perfect fit there. And, and I know people. I know some people were writing off Os- Osvaldo Alonso, and they think, oh, maybe he doesn't have much. You know, he doesn't have as much as he used to. Okay, he's not. He's not at the level he used to be, but he's still at a at an extremely high level. Still one of the best midfielders I think in MLS. So I think he he still gives you a lot there. And I think if you put a playmaker in front of him, I think that'd be the good piece. Uh, the good piece of the puzzle. And now we have to talk about the last of the four teams that, that did not make it. A team you know well, D.C. United. Obviously, they they, they fell short in their bid. It wasn't really much of a series for them. What would you take away from their, the, the series that they lost? The Querétaro, probably the weakest of the Mexican teams. Yeah, you know, I thought I, I thought D.C. United, you know, this they've had this team that they've put together that they've kind of been on a budget and they went with veteran MLS players, uh, guys who know how to win in the league, and um, they were getting closer to the back end of their careers. And I think they're hitting that point where I, I don't know that it sustains this year. You lose Perry Kitchen in the middle of the field. You lose Chris Pontius, who I know he has, he's been hurt a ton the last few years, but I still think when he's, when he's healthy, he's dynamic. You don't have Bill Hamid to save you back there for another four or five months. I, I think, I think DC United might be in for a rough season. So, I mean that was my takeaway. I don't I don't know that they can sustain what they what they did the I guess two years ago and then the first half of last year. I think it might be more of the team we saw in the back half of the 2015 season. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I've been saying it for a while now, and I've been getting killed by some DC fans about it. The fact that I just I agree. I don't I don't see them being good this year. I think they're going to definitely take a step back, and I think they're going to ultimately pay the price for over the span of I don't know how many years not doing a good job on the international market. And you, you, as much as as great as it is to, to hit the MLS market and get these MLS veterans, uh, you need to balance that also with some good international signings. And they have not had a good international signing since Luciano Emilio. I mean, come on. It's been I don't know how many years. that, that Was it seven, seven years, right? I mean, I, I think Luciano Acosta could be uh, a good pickup. He he he, just, he looks promising. Like he's going to help their attack, but you can't just have one in four years. And that's why not only are, are they they now that they've gotten older, now that all these MLS veterans that they brought in have all gotten kind of gotten older together, and they haven't been draft and the draft hasn't really brought in super impact players, particularly in the front of the attack in, ter- in terms of like the front six. Uh, now it's all kind of coming to a head, and this is this is going to be a year. I think this is going to be a year where they have a big, big step back. And uh, DC United fans shouldn't be too shocked by this because it happened a few years back, right? Where they they had I think they had like the third best record in the league, and then the wheels fell off a year later. And and I think when you do when you do try to ball on a budget, which is what they do, uh, you 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 put yourself in these situations where it can go it can get bad really quickly. And I think that's what's going to happen this year. And and it, it, they're in a tough spot. You, I mean, as you know, you 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 spent time in that area. You, you worked. You you were a reporter up there. You you know that the, the stadium situation is, is a big hindrance for them. And until they have a stadium that's bringing bringing in the money and allows them to to really spend on their roster, they're going to have these issues. And 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 there's not much they can do about it. 
Another, I think another huge part of this, a huge key for DC United that they just haven't had, or at least they haven't shown it, is the homegrown side of it. Yep. If you're going to be on a budget as tight as they are, you need to develop your own talent. And they haven't played the guys, at least. They haven't played Colin Martin, Jalen Robinson, you know, those guys who, who definitely showed promise. And, and Jalen Robinson, I thought, you know, I, I saw both of them play in high school coming up, and both of them ended up playing high-level college ball, and a lot of people liked them a lot. So, you know, is this a year where you get those guys on the field and see what they can do? Because if it's if the wheels are going to fall off, then the value of the season has to come in evaluating what you have. Right. Well, that's the thing, though. I don't know. I, I feel like I don't think they're producing the type of prospects that, that they need to be producing or that they should be producing. And it's funny because they, they were kind of that early pioneer when with Bill Hamid and Andy Nahar of lay of of bringing developing some stars developing some guys who were really impact guys but now it feels like a, a, the the field is caught up in lap them now with with the likes of FC Dallas and the Red Bulls uh that that have moved ahead of them now so uh, yeah i agree i mean i think it's funny that you said that cuz i was thinking the same thing like when 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 they brought in Nahar, when they brought in Bill Hamid, and you remember you were that you were there at the time, right, covering them, you, you, the the feeling was okay. This is the beginning of a trend, and now DC is going to tap into all that talent that's there in that area, and they're going to have this this pipeline, and it just hasn't developed. So that, that there's some real questions there because on one hand, while you can understand why they don't spend on the international market for 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 the 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 international star players, there's no excuse for them not being able to develop more. Uh, more talent in, in in that area in terms of homegrowns. I mean, look at look at Georgetown. Uh, when a team like Georgetown is stacked with with Red Bulls players, what's that telling you, right? I mean, uh, or Virginia. And uh, so that that's that's I find that interesting. So uh, I think I think that that falls back to the same thing, though, man. That's budget. You don't have a budget on your first team. You don't have a budget for your academy. It all comes back to bite you in the end. You've got to put the money in in the academy to get to, to develop the players, to get the coaches, to have the facilities, and that hasn't happened. And for the record, I mean, the best three players to come out of D.C. the last few years are Junior Flores, Joe Jow, and Gideon's LLM. So, you know, D.C. wasn't touching any of those three. And, and, and the crazy thing is they didn't have any of the three before those three were discovered by the European team. So... Yeah, they, they've got to they've, they've got to figure it out, and I think a big part of it is they eventually just got to get the budget. Yep, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's gonna it's it's a rough time to be a DC fan, but hopefully, if you're a DC fan uh, and you're an old school DC fan, you got to experience the glory years of all the titles that they did win. Uh, m- moving on now, we're, we're we have to talk about the U.S. national team, the U.S. soccer logo, and uh, it, it, it's totally unrelated to the Champions League, but, uh, this logo, people are, are freaking out about it. People do not like this logo. Um, what do you, what do you think of this logo? I don't, I'm not that offended by it. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand what, I mean, I guess like there's no soccer ball in it. I, I don't know whether to love that or hate that. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that offensive. I, I think sometimes you got to freshen things up. I think anytime there's a new, anything introduced after a long time of seeing something before then people freak out and then eventually that kind of wanes off and and people get used to the new one so i don't maybe i'm crazy what do you do you do you hate it i don't hate it i and i'm a guy i I feel like the last few logos that have come out i did not like and this logo I, i didn't mind i didn't mind and it was funny because when it came out everyone's like 
or not everyone, but a lot of people are like, where's the soccer ball? This It needs a soccer ball. But when you had the old logo, it was like, why is there a soccer ball? <laughs> so it's like you, can, you, can't, you can't make people – you can't make everybody happy. Someone's always going to complain. Um, I don't think simplicity is, is a bad thing. I mean, I think I, I think it was Alexi I, I heard him say, uh, Alexi Lalas, that, that you know, it, there's something cool about a logo that that's easy to draw, like kids want to draw it and, and 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 identify with it. I, I think I, I think it's okay. I don't is it amazing? No, but is it terrible? I, I, the more I look at it, the more I think I do like it more than the old logo. And uh, you know, I know everyone talks about the Centennial Crest and how they wish it would have been the Centennial Crest. And apparently, it sounds as though the rights to that 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 crest where U.S. soccer couldn't get them. So I think even if they wanted that crest, they couldn't get it. And, and I, I agree with everyone. I would have preferred that as well. I think that's like the, that's like the coolest crest you can imagine. But you know what? You couldn't have it. I don't mind this one. I think it'll grow on people. And I say it all the time. When it comes to these things, you have to watch them in action and, and watch the people, watch players wear it, watch it in, in game. And then you get more of a feel for it because when you're just looking at the logo by itself, it's it, it's tough to really get a feel for it. And I think once people watch it in action, I think it'll start to grow on people. I don't know if that that uniform that we saw leaked for, for the for the men's national Ooh. team, I don't Ooh. think that's growing on anybody. And, 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 you know, it hasn't been officially announced, but you know how these things usually work. When it starts leaking like that, that one is leaked. It's probably going to be that uniform and i gotta say man that that might go down as one of the worst uniforms i can remember for the u.s national team what do you what do you think do you like it i was not offended by the logo i am offended by that jersey that thing is ugly it's just ugly it's really bad there's no way around it that's worse than the women going to the the neon colors for a world cup yeah and then they come with this it's that it's like double whammy bad yeah it's bad and if that's the thing this year i feel like we've seen a lot of nice uniforms i mean tonight in seattle you know, we saw the Sounders with their the new that new navy blue. I thought that uniform was amazing. Uh, it's it's it was tough that they they got beat in it, and people remember that. But it looked it did look sharp. But then you have like the Columbus Crew, which probably had the worst uniform I can like remember in a decade uh, with, with with the with the uniform that they brought out. So uh, you know, ho- hopefully this isn't true. But if it is, man, I I, I can't imagine a lot of people are going to go out and buy this thing. If it's true, I hope that U.S. Soccer does the same mean tweets video that Columbus did with its uniform where the players have to read the mean tweets about how ugly the jersey is because that's the only way to move on from it. You just got to acknowledge we designed it. We made the wrong choice. We're going to stick with it because it leaked, (laughs) and let's make fun of ourselves because nothing else besides that. I don't know if the crew acknowledged that it was bad. I don't think. I think they were just having some fun with it. Uh, no, they acknowledged that people thought it was bad. They, yeah, they don't think enough. it's bad. Right, right. Although, uh, yeah, you know the mean, the mean tweets thing. It, it was okay. It could have been funnier. Some of the, it could have been the, funnier. It could have been. Ethan funnier. Finley needs to lo- lo- loosen up a little bit. He's a little personality. I don't know. He gets, I liked. I liked Justin Merrim's like deadpan style. I thought that. Yeah, was Yeah, yeah. And I like Michael Parker's. He Mark Parker's was. You got Parker's. Good, him and Will Trap. They got good laughs out of that. So. Well, now it's time to talk. MLS preview, and we're going to start with the Eastern Conference. Obviously, we're uh, people. People consider us both East Coast guys. I'm definitely Mr. East Coast bias, according to you know people uh, everywhere. And you know what? I'm an East Coast guy. What can I do? I'm a Jersey guy. Uh, hashtag Jersey strong. Ha- I hashtag know, I know Jersey baby. Hashtag Jersey. <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, but yeah, we'll start. We'll we'll do our Eastern Conference preview, and, and Paul and I have kind of combined our our predictions for the con- for the conference, and, and we're going to go in reverse order from. The, the, the worst team to the best team, how we see the Eastern Conference playing out. 
and we're going to start with the team we just uh, we just discussed a bit earlier with the, when we were talking CONCACAF Champions League, and that's DC United. Uh, I know some people are going to freak out and say, well, how in the world are they going to finish in last place? Um, neither, neither, neither of us had them finishing in last, but when you combine the consensus, we both have them struggling this year we both actually had them finishing ninth in the east and and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough year and, and i know we talked about it before but ha, ha, what do you think it would take for dc to not have a terrible year huh. um i think luciano costa is gonna have would have to have a monster year and they're gonna have to get a ton of goals out of somebody that i just don't see a ton of goals happening yeah. That's, that's the only way I see it. I see it going down, or else Andrew Dykstra has to become Bill Hamid for four months. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, I, I tell you what, I think Acosta is going to help Espindola, uh, but they they need a, they need Sabarillo to kind of give them something. I was so surprised when they resigned him because he was he looked terrible for them, and I really thought he was playing out the string. And to 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 go back to to Costa Rica or go somewhere else, so I was pretty shocked that they actually resigned him. And I just haven't seen much from him. And if you're gonna resign a, a guy like Sabrio, then you have then you need him to produce. You need him to to deliver. And and if he doesn't, then I don't know. You know, I, I think Rolf will give you something. Uh, I think Spindle is gonna improve with Acosta there. I think Acosta is gonna do really well just by watching you see him play. But yeah, they're still missing something. They're gonna miss Perry Kitchen. Marcelo Cyrus is a different kind of player. He's okay. Is he the player he was when he was with the Galaxy uh, when early on? He's not. I don't think he's that player anymore. But I, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think they're going to struggle, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that they're going to come in and, and 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 make another signing or bring a DP in. We all know they don't have the money, so uh, it's going to be a rough year, folks. If you're a DC fan, uh, yeah, that's the one thing that, that I would say. They're claiming that they're going to at least make some kind of signing in the summer. I don't. Obviously, it's not going to be a DP. It's going to be some kind of TAM signing, target allocation money. What they do with that, you know, you you kind of touch on this. If they've got to find a way to make these international signings count, and if they can find a way to get a guy in the eight hundred, nine hundred thousand range, or even a million, then a that million. that can that can change things. Yeah, that to DC United, a million is like ten million. <laughs> a million. Maybe, maybe that saves them. Maybe they find a guy who's a who's a you know a drug but like impact when it comes to goal scoring. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough for two reasons. One, you don't expect them to spend too much money. Two, they just don't have the track record of doing well on the market. And Dave Casper, uh, you know, while he's done well in terms of the reclamation projects in MLS. He just hasn't shown a track record of, track record of success uh, on the international front, so we'll see. I, I think that's going to be be an interesting one. But we've seen in recent years, DC is a roller coaster. One year they they, they exceed all expectations, the next year they hit rock bottom, then they go back up. I think we're headed for another down another down downward spiral for them. So uh, we're off to number nine in the East, and, and number nine in the East for us in the consensus is New York City FC. I know people are are, are wondering how Patrick Vieira is going to do. Jason Christ has been run out of town. In steps Vieira in his first full time first team coaching job. Uh, we're gonna see how he's how he handles this role and 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 a team that uh, you know while they didn't add a ton of, of big pieces in the offseason, they have guys who came in last year who now will have a full preseason. Uh, how, what do you see from them this year? For me, the big question is what it was last year. It's the back line. I thought that they were awful defensively. I know they they went and added a couple pieces. I think we have to see how that comes together. 
And honestly, I think a huge part of the issue for NYCFC, and I don't care who the coach is, it's playing on that home field. They've got to play 17 games at NYCFC on a field that's it's, it's tiny. And and I don't care what playmakers you have. I mean, I, I guess because you've got Pirlo, you can make it work a little bit more. But I think it's limiting on what David Villa can do. I think it's limiting on Lampard because if you can get those guys in space, they're the types of guys in MLS that can really make you pay. And I really think that the home field advantage is a disadvantage for NYCFC over the course of the season. So those, are, to me, are the big two things. I really think you have to wait and see how this back line comes together and whether they made the right answers. Is Madarita going to be the type of signing he can be? Uh, maybe, but to me, that's still the big question mark. And because of that midfield, you're not going to get a lot defensively out of that that midfield. Right. I mean, I agree. Uh, and their defense is it was always going to be the big question mark. As far as the home field, actually, I I, I don't know if I agree on that because I, it's a tough it's a tough environment for the opponent generally speaking because they're not used to playing in those confines and it's a real it's a real uh, it's trippy when you're there and the way everything's laid out it it, it can mess with your head a bit. Uh, and I and I, I don't think the I don't think their results at home were an issue, were a product of them struggling with the field so much as just them not being a good team. Uh, and let's face it, Andrea Pirlo, as great as he is, having him in a small area is, is better than having you know if you put him on a, on a huge field, it, he's going to struggle. They're going to struggle. Uh, from what I hear, from my understanding, I, mean, I think they're they're going to stick with Pirlo by himself, which I think in, in that kind of defensive mid in that deep lying midfield role and not necessarily have someone next to him and. I think that might be a recipe for disaster. Uh, obviously, he needs the guys around him to put in a lot of work uh, defensively to cover ground for him and let him orchestrate. Uh, I I don't know how that's going to work. I, really, I I'm I'm curious to see how Vieira builds that midfield. When you're talking about Pirlo, Lampard, uh, Mix Discarude, uh, they don't have that guy who's going to do the heavy lifting defensively. So that that's 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 a real issue there. And you wonder if they're going to go hit the market this summer and try to find someone like that. Uh, defensively, the the pieces that they've picked up, I, I can't I can't say it's necessarily going to be a huge upgrade. I'm hearing good things about Ethan White this preseason that he's looking pretty good, and uh, if he is if if he does do well, I think I mean he's younger. I mean you you're familiar with him. You saw him like as a rookie, he he actually showed some real promise uh, defensively. But yeah, def- the defense is going to be the issue for them. I think they'll be better because I think Pirlo Lampard. Uh, and Denis Iraola, all these guys who came in the middle of the season last year will be better with a full preseason under their belt. But I just don't know if the uh, Briant as a center back and Ethan White as a center back, I don't know if that's a playoff defense. So that's going to be the real question. And one guy I got to talk about is Matarita, who I'm sure you know and 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 are up on uh, in the, the latest in the Costa Rican left back pipeline. Uh, hearing great things about him, he could he could have, if there's a breakout, he could be the breakout for them. Yeah, the dude can play. He's a good signing. He's going to do well in this league. But on the back line with NYCFC, the issue what I don't think the issue was fullback last year and I don't think the issue will be fullback this year. You're talking about uh, touching on exactly what you t- talked about. It's you got Pirlo in front of you by himself with no help. That puts a ton of pressure on those two center backs. And and like you said, I don't know that those center backs are guys that are going to be able to maintain that over the course of the season at a level that's necessary to compete with the best teams in the East and the best teams in this league. And I think that's ultimately the downfall. Um, you know, it maybe maybe they can go uh, make another splash in that summer window where, like you said, they go and get a, a true defensive midfielder number six that sits in right in front of that back line and they figure out a way to configure the midfield. But until they make a move like that, I think 
um, they're going to have issues and they're, they're just going to give up too many goals. Right, right. Uh, moving on now to number eight in the East, we have the Philadelphia Union. Uh, obviously, they, they shook things up. Not they, There was not a coaching change. Jim Curtin's still there. However, on the front office side of things, Nick Zakevich is out. Ernie Stewart has, has stepped in now as a general manager, uh, the former U.S. national team star, and, and they, they've definitely been tinkering with their squad. Uh, they made a bunch of additions. They, they made a big splash in the draft. They had uh, three, three high first-round picks, and uh, it sounds like they there's a lot of optimism in Philly, and and it's. I feel like I'm always a guy who who, who kind of sees them as a team that. Uh, I always kind of rate them as a team that could do well, and then they always let me down. Uh, I, I'm tempering the expectations this year a bit. I I, I can't get a quite get a read on some of the new pickups that they've gotten, and, and I don't know about their defense. But uh, what do you think? What do you think from what you see about the Union? Yeah, this is the same to me. I think to me they're the biggest question mark in the East. How good are they going to be? I don't know. Some of these signings, they look really intriguing. Um, they're guys I don't know as much about. I don't know how well they're going to fit. There are some guys I think that we, we know the potential. And if they if they have a, a big year, um, it, it can be a, a transformational thing for Philadelphia. Chris Pontius is a guy who I think falls in that category. I think that... Uh, Certainly, C.J. Sapong up top is a type of guy where if he has a breakout year, this is a totally different team. And then, like you said, you've got some of these rookies. How are they going to look in their first year? Josh Yarrow, Rosenberry, Fabian Erbers. I mean, these are guys that we don't know enough about. And I just think that, to me, I put a big question mark next to Philly. I'm not sold on them yet. That's kind of why I had them rated lower than you did. I think they're a wait and see for me. I, I, I you know, sometimes it's just the, the optimism around a club can change things as well. So I, I don't know. I, I want to see what, what this team's about in the first few uh, months of the season, first couple months. Right, right. And and just for those wondering, Paul actually had, I believe, Philly 10th in, on his list. He had them 10th in East. I had them 7th. Uh, and again, I, I think I'm always, I'm always, I think I'm always, always overly generous with Philly. Um, I don't know why, but I tell you what, some of their foreign pickups uh, I think are interesting. Roland Alberg uh, coming from the Dutch league, uh, I hear good things about him. El Sino, a player who played on that uh, the great Shakhtar Donetsk teams of a few years back. I mean, I think he's got some real talent. So I think when you look at those pieces, and then obviously bringing Apanias in is, is big as well. The defense is the real question mark for me. I think, again, uh, you know, they don't have that kind of Carlos Valdez guy who's a lockdown guy you know is going to be a top center back. I, I don't know if anyone kind of stands out in that regard. Joshua Yarrow is not ready. Joshua Yarrow is not uh, the jury's out on this kid. He's the number two overall pick. There were questions coming in. He has talent, but is he really a center back? I know he didn't want to play right back. He's not really going to have to play right back. They have Keegan Rosenberry there. Uh, so I think if there's if something does hold back the union, it's gonna. I think it's going to be that defense. And I think if if you know, it's funny following Philly because Philly's you know next to the New York teams. Philly's right there for me. I go to a lot of their games and. I feel like it, over the years, uh, they haven't been the most fun team to watch consistently in terms of an attack. I think with the pieces that they've added, I think they'll be a more fun team to watch. And and I think that, uh, you know, you're looking at consolation prizes, maybe that'll be a consolation if they're not a playoff team. But if the pieces come together and if that defense come together, maybe they could be a surprise. And yeah, I, I'm not going to count it out. Like I said, I, you know, I'd like to see how these pieces come together. I want to see Alberg. I think I, he, he intrigues me, you know. Right, right. So uh, Barnetta with some talent around him, I'd like to see what he can produce this year too. We'll see. And you know what? The, the pressure's on Jim Curtin. 
He, he's stuck around. Uh, he, he's he's been there. He's had his ups and downs there. I know. I know there were fans that wanted him out. Uh, I think I, I thought it was good that that he got a chance to stick around and really build a team. So we'll see how he does. But the pressure is definitely on him. Uh, moving on now to the number seven team that we have in the Eastern Conference, uh, Chicago Fire, uh, a team that was one of the worst teams in the league last year, last place in the East last year. But it's a new era. Uh, you have uh, Paunovic as the head coach. You have but Nelson Rodriguez running the show there as the GM, and you, and it, it's a for the what seems like the fourth year in a row the Chicago Fire have had a complete overhaul, and it's it's so so tough to keep having those kind of just drastic roster just shakedowns. But let's face it, it need, they needed it this time. They they, they needed it. Um, but it's so tough building from scratch to, 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 you know, for a new coach to come in, it's going to be tough, but you, you seem to be pretty optimistic about him. What, what do you see there? Yeah. You know, obviously I know more about this team than I probably would have two weeks ago. I've been watching them in preseason. I've been getting to know the roster. I've been talking to people around the club. I think for me, what strikes me is two things. I, you know, I, I saw a team put together from scratch last year, very, very closely with Orlando city and how they built it. And they were able to put together a team that challenged for a playoff spot. They, now, whether you could argue they were a playoff team or not, I don't know. But they were there. They were in the mix. And I think the most important part about it when they were building the team was they had an identity. And I think I see a lot of similarities with the way Chicago is coming together. It's very clear that Pounovich knows what type of team he wants to put together, what type of players he needs for specific roles. And I don't think anything was more clear about that than sending Harry Ship to Montreal on a trade. I think if you're going to move a guy who is uh, the hometown kid, who's beloved by the fan base, you better know exactly what you're doing. And I think that that, to me, was, was a pretty clear sign that he has very specific roles that he wants guys to play and, and that's what I've seen in watching them in the preseason. They've been very good. They, they have a very defensively Eastern European mentality. It is two lines of four. Uh, it's a 4-1-1. Four, one, four, four, one, one. They're very organized. They, they pressure together. Um, and, then, and then when they transition, it turns into kind of a more open style of play, short passing, good movement they've got speed on the outside with the com who i thought was the best player on a bad team in mls last year uh Igbo Anike is on the right side on the wing now you've got gilberto up top that we're finally going to see for an entire mls season and i like this this kid goosens that they picked up as well um a dutch player is playing in the number 10 spot for right now and that doesn't even talk about Matt Polster, who, by the way, I think is going to have a breakout season this year. I liked Polster last year. A lot of people liked Polster last year um, going into the draft. I think he has a chance to, to have a really good year. So I think there are enough pieces here. Do I think it's enough to get them in the playoffs? Maybe not. Probably not. It's hard, like you said, to build a team from scratch. But I think they're going to be much better. I'm, I'm giving them a few more wins. I'm giving them enough, enough to get up into that 7-8 spot. Um, and, and to continue to build from there. Yeah, yeah. As far as the whole rebuilding thing, I, I, or building from scratch thing, the thing that the thing to definitely remember is that when you when you build an expense, it's I think it's actually easier, not easier, but it, it's a it's a cleaner process to build an ex, uh, an expansion team than it is to rebuild a bad team because when you have to rebuild a bad team, you have to take out the trash, quote unquote. You have to you have to make moves and and you have to you're going to have to keep some players that maybe you don't want to keep. So, I think if for you know, when you're talking about an Orlando, they they can build from the beginning 
and really put it in a in a in a shape from like from the first guy on the roster to the to the last guy in the roster with with Pavlovich and and prior to him with Yallop, you know, you 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 had to you needed time to really shape a roster. You need a couple of years to to remake a roster. And I think this is the, this is the first step in that process for him. Uh, I'm only hearing good things about him as a coach, and and I and what I can definitely tell is that this team, this fire team, is going to be a tougher team to play against than recent fire teams. And I know that's not saying a lot. The fire were the worst, one of the worst teams in the league in the last two years. Um, but I think organization, defensive organization, uh, is going to be big for him. My question and the reason I don't have him ranked higher is I'm just not sold on the players that they have. I really am not. I, I don't think Gilberto, for me, I don't think he's a high-end forward. Uh, Akama, like, obviously, Akama's very talented. Igbo Anike was productive last year, but I, I'm not I'm not sold on him being one of the better guys uh, in the league. And Goosens, the jury's out on Goosens. I, I, I had no, like, I understood the ship trade, right? Because, I mean, I had heard rumblings for a while about, you know, he questions about his work rate and, and and what his ceiling was he's got skill no question about it he's a talented player but uh he has his limitations and uh, clearly Ponovich stepped in looked at him and said you know what this kid is not going to fit into my system uh he's probably not going to start for me so if he's not going to start for me and I can trade him and get good value I have to make the deal I can't let emotion get in the way I can't let the hometown thing get in the way so I understood why he made the deal, even though I know a lot of people freaked out, a lot of a lot of fans, fire fans especially, but even neutral fans were were, were, were kind of going crazy. And I think part of that was that ship was really built up in. The, I feel like in the in the media, uh, talking about the media, we're media, but in certain segments of the media, he was built. I think he was built up a little too much. I mean, he he was he's a good player, but he had his flaws. Um, and what's interesting now is I think he's a guy who maybe you see really work on his issues, work on his game in a way that maybe he wouldn't have if he had stayed comfortable at home. You know, sometimes that chip on the shoulder makes you a better player. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. But for the fire, I think it's I think year two of this project is when we're really going to see them maybe take that next step. I think they're going to struggle this year and it's going to be because I think I don't think the personnel is where it needs to be. I agree. I think I think they'll go. I, I do think that they you know, we've heard Nelson Rodriguez uh, the last week or so say, they have a couple pieces that they're still pursuing in Europe. They specifically feel it sounds the same way you do about their roster, that they need to go find some goals and some attacking pieces in the next uh, couple months before they even feel like they're, they have a roster ready for this year. So uh, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks here if they can get those two pieces. But I, I agree. I think there'll be a better and tougher matchup for, for MLS teams this year. It's just a matter of kind of where they fall. Um in the standings, I just think they'll be a better team, and moving forward, we'll we'll be uh, getting closer to a, a playoff contender. Right now, on to number six in the East, and we have a team that I know you don't know much about, but I'll help you out here. Orlando City, uh, their, their <laughs> team, obviously coming off their expansion season, uh, injuries really hurt them. If not for the injuries, maybe they could have made a, uh, made it into the playoffs. But now they're back. They have guys healthy. Kevin Molino's back. Uh, and back back and healthy, they, they've made some made some changes, obviously, to their roster. They have a new goalkeeper, Joe Bendick. Uh, you tell me, man. You know them better than anyone uh, anyone that's not employed by them, and maybe even better than than most of the people employed by Orlando City. What do you see from them this year? Well, uh, first of all, we'll start with uh, your favorite MLS award that's ever given out, and that's the fact that Kevin Molino is going to win the MLS Comeback Player of the Year. This year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I hate that award. But you know what? He that that would be a legitimate 
he would be a legitimate recipient for that award. It wouldn't be a forced uh, comeback player of the year award. Which so. means he probably won't win it, like even probably if he not. has a great It'll year. It'll be some other random. Like Didier Drogba will win it because he came back from almost leaving for Chelsea. I don't know. Yeah, it's exactly. going to be something weird, but... No, I think look, I think your last year they were so close to being a playoff team and and it really was the injuries I thought that did them in because there were the the two guys that were out the longest during the season were the two two of the three or four most important players on the team and that's Kevin Molino who obviously went out on May 2nd with a torn ACL and was lost for the year and Breck Shea who missed a ton of games due to a sports hernia injury. And and you lose two. I mean, Brexit only played 19 games last year. You lose two guys of that level, and all of a sudden, Kaká is trying to create uh, in the attacking third with Eric Avila and and Lewis Neal um, on the outsides, and Carlos Rivas, who who just didn't get it for most of the year. And and th- you know, I think that those are guys who who are role players in midfield, and and they they can be actually valuable on an MLS team because they can give you consistent minutes, and you know what you're going to get out of them. But they're not going to threaten a team. You know, there w- there was no team that's looking on the scouting report saying we need to make sure we have balance on the right side to account for what Lewis Neal can do on the wing, or you know, with, with what Eric Avila can do. And so I think that they lacked that kind of dynamic aspect of the in the attacking third and then you combine that with some of the issues that they had at center back and and that ended up being kind of the downfall and I I think going into this year you solve one of those problems immediately by inserting Kevin Molino back into the fray now they're switching up the formation they're going with a 4-3-2-1 that pushes Kaká closer to the goal pushes Kevin Molino closer to the goal you add in Antonio Nocherino into the mix and all of a sudden, you have the pieces that, that teams have to start worrying about. And they say, okay, we've got to account for where Kaká is. We've got to account for where Molino is. Obviously, Kyle Lahren, one of the best goal scorers in the league last year. So, you know, this is a team that can be a playoff team that can make some noise. And and like a lot of the teams that we've talked about in this first part of the Eastern Conference, I think the big question is going to be the back line, and especially at center back. And it starts with game one. Because the starter, David Mateos, did his hamstring in training. And so they're going to have to find some depth there right away. And uh, and I think that's going to be the question for them all year long, how the back line works. Right, for sure. I think the defense is going to be a question. I'm curious about the midfield. You know, uh, you talk about the new system, the four three two one. They brought in when they brought in Nocherino. The question was kind of, is this a good fit? You already have uh, Darwin Seren. You have Higita. How do you make that work? And and obviously now that they've made this adjustment, um, I do have questions about the depth. I'm not sold on them having enough depth. And I think a big question a lot of people are going to have is, can can Kyle Aaron do it again? And that's the that's the big question. He was great. He's young. Um, can he build on that and maintain that level? Because he set such a uh, such a high standard, uh, had such an amazing year. But uh, you know, it's you. But you can you say it's a lock that he's going to do it again? And that I think that's a big question mark. So what do you think? What do you see from him? The crazy thing is he scored 17 goals in 1900 minutes. It was one of the highest strike rates in the league. I think the only two people who had a higher strike rate were Robbie, you know, Obafemi Martins and Didier Drogba. So the thing that we learned about Kyle Lahren last year is if you give him chances, he's going to put them away. Uh, I, I talked to Adrian Heath about this actually earlier today, specifically what his thoughts were on the sophomore slump. And 
and and does he believe that exists as a former striker? And and he was like, why should why should that exist? Kyle is leaner than he was last year. He's in better shape from day one. He knows how to play at the pro level. He's got better players around him now. Um, he's got the confidence of of knowing he can score at this level. He said, my expectation is for Kyle to score more goals this year than he did last year. Nice. Now, I think it's a little tougher than than I think Adrian said the right thing, and um, certainly. Kyle Laren, I think, has the ability to do it. Uh, to me, it's going to be watching Kyle this preseason, how early he starts to score goals. Because if he goes through a little bit of a rut early in the year, I think that the mental aspect can be really problematic. And then the problem for Orlando City is, talked about the depth, who do they have behind Kyle Laren? The options are very, very limited. You've got Carlos Rivas, who is out with an ankle injury for week one. Brian Rochez, who hasn't played all preseason and hasn't really played a ton of minutes yet in his pro career, at least in MLS, and that's it. Haji Berry, the rookie. That so so they need Kyle Laren to be a goal scorer. Right. And and it's gonna be interesting to see because uh I, I get I definitely get what Adrian's coming from as far as why should why should he take a step back when when he should be a better pro now? Second year, he knows the league. But the question is now he, he he's not an unknown quantity anymore. He's not a, a rookie anymore. People are, are he's going to have a target on his back now. Now, when you score that many goals, you you know it, it, I think as a, when you're a rookie coming in, maybe it's a little easier to write a player off or, or, or kind of not focus on him as much as some other players. But now he is the guy. And now every team's every team's defense is going to be focused on him. Obviously, Kaká's there, Molino's there, and that that's going to help divert some of the attention away. But I think I think defenses are going to be a little tighter on him this year, and it'll be up to him to to, to kind of counteract that. I, I think he'll do well. But again, they, they're going to need at least they're going to need eighteen to twenty goals from him if they're going to make the playoffs. So we'll see if he can do it. And uh, moving on to and, and we have him making the playoffs. We have him at number six. So. It sounds like uh, you know we think he'll we think he'll get close at least. Uh, on to number five, New England Revolution. What do you see? Do you think uh, you think they've done enough to to make a move upward, or you think maybe they slip? No, I mean I I kind of think they're they're pretty much the same team they were last year. Obviously, losing Jermaine Jones is a big deal. Um, you know, I was talking to actually talking to Kevin Alston, who's now with Orlando City, about this, and his mindset was: Look, Jermaine Jones is a special player. And it's tough to replace what he brings to the team. But when you look at the other pieces on this team, there's not a lot different about him. And I, I really think the Kofi move was a strong move. I think it shores up the, the defensive aspects of what Jermaine jo- Jones brought to the team. Um, and I think if Lee Wynn can, can maintain his level of play and, and kind of get back to what he was two seasons ago, but even if he's, if he's got just kind of a... a a standard that he set the last over the last two years. I think this is a team that, as we have them, is kind of right back where they were last year, kind of in that four-five spot. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't see them being back in the Eastern Conference Finals and then MLS Cup like they were two seasons ago. But I think that they're a strong playoff team that that's going to cause a lot of teams problems with what they can do up front, the versatility and the guys that they have up there. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, they have attacking pieces that can. Can play such a, a high level of soccer, high level of attacking soccer. When you had Lee Wynn, Kellen Rowe, Charlie Davies, Teal Bunbury, Agadello, we know all the guys they have, and they can definitely score goals. And defensively, they're not that bad. So you kind of wonder what what's the missing piece. And it's definitely, I feel like Jermaine Jones is going to be uh, a big missing piece for them. And, and not having him and not having really replaced him 
is going to be tough. I know they went and got Gershon Coffey, but he's not Jermaine Jones. And I think I think they're going to miss him. And obviously they went and signed a, a DP to to come in in the summer, and he apparently tore his ACL. So now it doesn't look like he'll be around for, for a good while. So they're a tough one for me because I think, like, you know, if they had gone and and replaced Jones right away with someone comparable, then they, then for me they would have been right in the conversation near the top of the v, of the Eastern Conference. But without that, they're going to be kind of doomed to that you know five six area. And you know what? If there's an injury, if a Lee Win goes down or anything like that, they're they're they won't make the playoffs. I think they're that. I mean, as much as they have some extra pieces there, they have Fagundes. I think I I don't know I I think they're going to be a little bit of a disappointment unless they can work something out and go get uh, another player to kind of fill that role. I don't think Kofi's the answer necessarily, uh, but Jay Heaps, you know what? He's I think he's a good coach and and I think he'll 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 get a lot out of them. But I I don't know, man. I don't see them breaking into the top three. Yeah, I I I think you know there's always that team every year who who surprises you by dropping out of the playoffs. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe New England's that team if if. If the injury, ha- if the wrong guy goes down, I'm also interested. To see, I, I really like to see what Fagundes does this year, Diego Fagundes. If he can get back to that form where he's scoring goals the way he did in 2013 and brings that kind of dynamic play, because I thought he had a little bit, he, he didn't have the opportunities last year, obviously, that he's had the year, the two years previous. And, and I'm interested to see how he fits into the mix because we've seen Bunbury, Davies, Agudelo. Kellen Rowe, um, all continue to kind of grow and do big things. And I'm interested to see if, if Fagundes can fight back into that mix and, and really get back to being one of the best young players in Major League Soccer. Yep, that, that's going to be a big question mark for them. But again, defensively, uh, Andrew Farrell, Gonsalves, we'll, we'll see what they do. Jordan McCray, the rookie, who, you know what, I think he might, I think he's a guy who could end up being, a star, being the guy for them at right back. Um, Shuttleworth is coming off a good year. I think that they'll be a good team, but I don't know, man. Like the top three for me, I think is pretty stacked uh, in the East, and I don't know if they'll break through there. Uh, moving on to number four, we have the Montreal Impact, uh, a team who obviously transformed when Didier Drogba arrived, and he really helped them uh, push their way into the playoffs and really impress down the stretch. Uh, now he's back uh, after after some question marks in the offseason about whether or not he would actually return. Drogba is back, and and they're looking like a team that, if you if you remember the way they finished the year, it wasn't just Drogba. Their defense was very solid. Marbiello had uh, did a really good job of, of of kind of piecing that squad together, getting them to, to play a more organized style of soccer. Uh, what do you think? What do you see from them this year? I think I think that you're right. This is not. I think it's unfair to call them a team that is solely built and solely. Um, their season will be solely judged on on what Drogba does, and yet I feel like they're going to need Drogba to score goals at the rate, maybe not at the rate, obviously of eleven goals in eleven games and, and over a thirty-four game season. But I think that they're going to need him to to be able to play twenty-five games and be a consistent striker to to get over that hump of where they were last year. We have him at four. I think that they can be a team that could possibly even push into the top three if Drogba continues that form. Otherwise, they're very solid. Obviously, I love Venegas. I think Antevero is a very interesting signing. Lorenz Simon was very good last year for them defensively. Um, they've got a lot of really good pieces. You bring, you, you've got Andres Romero. You've got Harry Ship. You've got Bernier. You've got a lot of really nice players on this team. 
and I know I'm missing some. Donadell is on the team, obviously. Um, so they've got the they've got a lot of good pieces. I think that this is, I think this year for them is is can they push into that upper echelon of the, of the Eastern Conference and, and really you know break into what we think is a pretty darn solid top three. Right. I, I think for me the the their defense really impressed me down the stretch, and and they managed to bring those pieces all back. Uh, and I, Evan Bush is solid in goal, and and I think when you have that kind of de- the, the the way their defense. Uh, came together uh at the end of the year was really for me even a bigger surprise than Drogba lighting it up I mean Drogba's Drogba he's a quality player so it shouldn't have been a complete shock that he would do well but the defense was the big one for me uh Harry Ship that's a kind of interesting wild card there uh they already had Piatti uh Piatti there but now you have a guy in Harrison Ship who has something to prove he's got a chip on his shoulder uh, change of scenery. Uh, you know, he's going to be an interesting one. Eric Alexander, uh, who was a bit of a forgotten man uh, last year, he he, he kind of two years ago he was such a big part of, of the Red Bulls, and and last year he got he's a bit of a forgotten man. This year, I'm hearing really good things about him in preseason. Uh, what do you, you look, what do you think of that midfield, and how do you see Ship fitting in there? That's the interesting question, right? Like you said, Piotti's obviously you know solidified in that number 10 spot so you you've got ship coming in i would guess tucked in behind him and kind of trying to be a playmaker from a deeper role um i i'm a huge eric alexander fan um reporting from orlando city and knowing that team i thought he was a guy that they should have thrown money at to try to get out of montreal um, because i think he can be a, a very good midfielder for a lot of mls teams um I, i'm interested to see where ship fits in and what they ask of him you know, maybe if you if you kind of decrease um, the the responsibilities that Chip probably felt he had on a not very good Chicago Fire team, and simplify the game for him a little bit, he can start to play to the potential that the fans think he has. I I'm, I'm on I'm on the same page with you. It's it's one of the most interesting cases I've ever come across professionally in the the difference in the way a player is perceived by the fans and the way he's perceived by people in the soccer operations, technical staff league side of things. So I'm kind of interested to see what happens with ship in a new environment and, and with some decent pieces around him. I, I tell you, and this is what, this is one thing I, I don't feel like I've heard enough people talk about is the fact that I don't, I just, I just don't know if he, if he improved enough under Frank, uh, under Frank Gallup. And I think that that that's a, it might be a strike against Yallop, who's never really been known in recent years to be a developer of talent. So I think if anything, maybe Yallop might have helped, might have stunted his growth. Maybe maybe playing for Yallop uh, cost Ship some development in these last couple of years. And that's why for me, when Ponovich took the job, I thought, well, here's the perfect guy. He's got a track record working with young players. He's a guy who can help ship get the most out of his potential. So when when the trade went down, I'm like, oh, that's an, you know, it's it's sad for ship because I thought he he maybe he could have worked well under under Panovich, but you know what? Maybe Mary Marbello be the guy to 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 bring bring it out of him. Uh, we'll see. I think he's gonna have a good year. I think I think the chip on the shoulder thing is gonna. I, it, it, and I I don't think I'm alone in in, in saying that the tweets from him. The social media stuff from Ship was so sad. I mean, that's it was, it was just it was, like, it was some tear jerking stuff. But you know what? It showed how much he cared. But when I read that stuff, while it was sad, and I was like, I felt bad for the kid. At the same time, I thought, you know what? 
maybe he was just a little too comfortable there. Maybe he needed to get away from home. Sometimes, you, I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes you need to get away from home to really kind of, you know, get out of your, you know, break out, you know, to, to really maximize your potential. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting move for him. Uh, moving on to number three, we have uh, the number one team in the East in the regular season last year. We have them at number three. I know some people in New York are not going to be happy about that, but we have the New York Red Bulls at number three. Uh, obviously, they brought back most of their team. However, Miazga has moved on. He's on. He has left. He's gone to Chelsea. Uh, Damian Perinel is at, is at torn ACL. He, he won't be back for several months, so it'll be a new center back tandem for them. But other than that, they bring back everyone else. Gonzalo Verón is back for his second year. He should have a breakout year. They should still be one of the top teams in the league. What do you see from them this year? They need another center back. That <laughs> that to me is the the start and finish of of what's up with the Red Bulls in my mind. Because right now you you, you obviously they go out and get Gideon Ba to to replace Matt Miazga, but with with Perinel out for as long as he is, you're you're talking about counting on Wemet and Zubar to be the center backs that you can count on for the, the first half of the season. And I think that's risky. I think that in order to shore up the roster and have the depth that you need, um, that's, that's to me the one spot that they've got to go and find somebody. Um, you know, obviously Zubar played 12 games last year. How much can you really count on him? Um, you know, we met, um, I, I don't know if I'm totally sold on him. So, this is another example. That's the hardest position to fill in, in Major League Soccer, center back. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens. But I, I love, I love a lot of things about this team. I love their midfield. I, I'm a big Kamar Lawrence fan, as a lot of people are. I, I think Verone can have a huge season. Um, I think Dax McCarty should be in the U.S. national team. They're going to have success uh, no matter what. But the the center back question is a big question and. Ronald Zubar was people. It's easy for people to forget that when when we were heading into last season, Ronald Zubar was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be the center back, the answer for them. Their kind of all star defender type guy. Jesse Marsh couldn't stop raving about him, and obviously he had the injuries. And then when he came back from the injuries, uh, you know he 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 showed some flaws. You know he he looked a little slow. Uh, he wasn't. He didn't have the best lateral movement. I mean, at times he could be dominant in the air for sure. Uh, but it didn't. He when you watched him play, it didn't scream like dominant defender. It didn't scream. This is a guy you build your defense around. So now, now that Perinel's injured and Miazga's gone, now you have to rely on him. Uh, I don't. I don't know enough about Gideon Ba. Nobody really knows enough about Gideon Ba to say for sure what he's going to give you. But I agree with you. I mean Zubar. That's going to be. A, that's going to be a big question mark for them. And I think Carl we met actually surprised me how well he looked. How good he looked. In the in the limited time that he did get, so I don't I don't know if they're going to go get another center back anytime soon. I think I think basically they're going to ride with the guys they have now. They have a, they have a rookie in Zach Carroll who I, I'm hearing great things about. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Well. They they played the rookies a bunch in preseason. There, maybe they 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 think they can be good in year one. Yeah, I mean I I don't know if they, they play right away, but I think I think that that's that's something to look at as well because Carroll. I mean, I, I like Carroll coming in the draft as well, but I, is he a, is he a guy to come in right away? Maybe not, but maybe as you get close, like more into the middle of the season, we'll see. I think for me, it's going to be fun to watch their attack develop. And what was interesting in, in year one of the project, obviously they really focused on their midfield triangle uh, and, and providing service for Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, now I think Jesse Marsh is trying to do some different things. Now play play some four four two. Uh, and get and have more variety in the attack, and I think Gonzalo Verón is going to be a huge part of what they do there. 
I know last year maybe some people might have been a bit disappointed that he didn't have more of an impact. But as you know, sometimes players the the, the adaptation into MLS and, and, and is not always easy. And I think and, and having had a chance to talk to Verone about that, it sounds like he's in a much better place now. He's had the full preseason. He's looked really good in preseason. So I think he's a guy who could definitely help that attack take the next step. Uh, and so it's crazy to say that because they led the league in scoring last year. So you ask yourself, like, how much better can it be? It can be better. Uh, but the defense is the big question mark. And I know everyone talks about Miazga leaving and, and, and all the hype around Miazga. But I really feel Perrinell was underrated. I really I really feel Perrinell's leadership back there really covered for Miazga on a lot of occasions. I I, I think I think Perrinell was better than Miazga last year. I feel like I'm in the minority in that. Um but they do they should get him for they should get him back in midseason and hopefully for their sake that 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 ha- they haven't fallen uh behind the the other top teams in the East between then between now and when Perrinell comes back. So here's here's a question for you. You know this team really well. You talk about the goals they score. BWP 27 and 2014, 17 last year. What's the over under on goals for him this year? Uh, if he's healthy, uh, I'll, I'll I'll go uh, I'll go 18. I'll go 18 goals for him. I mean, he's a good player, man. He, he yeah. I, I I was in that camp who thought uh, when he got the 27 that yeah, you know, Henri set up half of them. It's more of a product of Henri. He's not that good. Like last year, he won me over. I thought last year he was, he, even though he scored fewer goals, he was better. He was a better player. He he, he just did more. Uh, and 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 it's not just the goals. I mean, it's just the work that he put, he puts in. I mean, he his his defensive work is so underrated. I don't think people realize the amount of running that he does uh, to help. And in that system, you need your strikers to 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 press as well. And and I think he does a great job there. So. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a big fan uh, of what he has shown, and I'll tell you one thing: if I'm Bradley Wright Phillips right now, and I'm reading about Kai Kamara's million dollar DP deal after one big season, I'm calling my agent and I'm saying, "Hey, buddy, I want a new deal." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's a, he I think he signed for like seven hundred thousand. Uh, you know, so all of a sudden he's he's underpaid. So it, maybe maybe this will be a year that that he has to put up another big number to try to get a try to get a new deal. So we'll see. I think New New York's going to be right there if Zubar is anywhere close to what Jesse Marsh constantly talks about him being at. They'll still be first or second in the East, and maybe even first again. But barring that, I think they're they I think they're gonna I think they're gonna fall just short of what they did last year. So we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, there'll be a fun team to watch, no question about it. Uh, the, one of the teams that that we feel have moved ahead of them, and one of the busiest teams this off season, Toronto FC. We know, we hear it all the time, and especially from the people in Toronto. This is their third straight year as the off season champions of MLS. Uh, and every year, we you know people talk, me included, myself included. We we talk about, oh, this is the year, this is the year they're gonna really break out. Uh, but I tell you what, it feels like this is the year uh, with the moves that they made. I feel like the moves they made this year were so smart. They addressed their needs. They tackled their needs head on. Filled them with established MLS players. And all the pieces are there. Now it's on Greg Vanny. He, the pressure's on. He needs to make it work. If they don't forget, making the playoffs is no longer the goal. Now it's about trying to win a title. And the pressure's on him. What do you see from them this year? Well, first of all, you and I know something about off-season champions, do we not? As yeah. Redskins fans, <laughs> oh, Lord. okay. So we 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 can commiserate with TFC. Look, I, I think you're right. 
I think for me, the difference with TFC this year is they, they looked at their roster. They looked at their team from last year. They identified the weak points. And I thought was an, a smart and interesting way to go about it. They found MLS-proven players what they, where they knew what they were going to get out of them. And, and they went and filled the holes that way. And, and are you going to find world beaters uh, by doing that? No. Are you going to find guys that are going to give you exactly what they've given you through their whole career that are not going to hurt you and you know that they're not going to hurt you? Yes. And I think when you go get guys uh, like Drew Moore, uh, like Will Johnson, I, I think that is, that is how you are addressing your biggest problems. You now know that you can count on certain qualities. Stephen Betashore is another example, and I think they're a better team top to bottom than they were last year, and, and that to me is the biggest thing. They, they have a more consistent, better, deeper, stronger roster. Right, right, definitely, for sure. I think as, as far as the starting lineup goes, they're going to be able to put out a, a, a top to bottom a starting 11 that just is solid everywhere. And I mean, obviously last year they had some clear holes they had some clear question marks and i think for me if there's a question mark uh they depth is I, I i still think depth's an issue for them obviously they bolstered their lineup their starting lineup but um for me i, I think last year's draft uh they missed an opportunity when you look at the players that they drafted last year that those those players aren't necessarily factoring in this year to be key players for them so i think that caught they they missed that opportunity last year to really have ha- bolstered depth and right now i think that's a question obviously this year's draft they, they drafted subasa endo who i know you're a big fan of we talked about him in great detail he's doing well in preseason looking like he could be starting uh when the season begins that that's a, that's obviously a, a good for them if he if he pans out as someone who can help them uh but that's for me if there's a question it's there's two questions vanny can vanny lead them uh, and get the most out of all that talent, number one. And number two, do they have the depth? Because in, in this league, you need that depth. You need you, – because you, it's so it's so tough to stay healthy and avoid injuries. Uh, you're going to need that depth. And, and, and they have some players there, but obviously they just got rid of Hercules Gomez. So, they're you know, you feel good enough about your squad that you can get rid of Hercules Gomez. Uh, I guess that's a good sign. But for me, I think those are those – are, if there are question marks, and there aren't many at this point, I think those are the question marks. Yeah, and another big one to think about and to talk about is this summer. You know, if the U.S. goes deep into Copa America and if Giovinco's on the Italian team for European championships, now that that starting lineup that was so, you know, on point is a little bit weaker, a lot weaker, we should say. And and to me, the bigger question is when Giovinco's gone and if Josie's gone with the U.S., where did the goals come from? That's the question for me. In the middle of the summer, when you need the goals, who's going to provide them? I don't know who on the team right now. I think Osorio, you know, he's looked good in preseason. Uh, I thought I saw I saw them play twice this preseason. There's one kid who really caught my eye, Jordan Hamilton. Right. He's a big dude. He looks like he can play. I liked some of the qualities he was showing. Yeah, so he's a, he's a pretty highly regarded homegrown player for them, and 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 he's, he they've been talking about him for a while. So, uh, yeah, that'd be a big one for them if he can if he can finally step in and, and give him some minutes. And you got to think that if they're getting rid of Hercules Gomez, it's because they think Jordan Hamilton is ready. So it, it's always an issue for them the international, uh, cont- the, the international schedule and 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 how it hurts them 
in a way, you, if you're if you're them, you're glad Canada's not in Copa America because it'd be even worse. It'd be even crazier. Um, but we'll see. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They were already a fun team to watch, and I think what's interesting for me is I think Javinko is not going to put up the numbers he put up last year. In my opinion, but he's going to be better this year because he's going to he's going to have guy more more around him to work with, not as much pressure on him in terms of teams being able to focus on him. Uh, he's going to have more help, and that's going to help him. That's going to help Michael Bradley. That's going to help Josie Altidore. So I think from that standpoint, it, 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 that's why they're a more balanced team, and they're going to be a, a tougher team to deal with. And but again, it's all down to Greg Vanny. It's your job, Greg. You got to do it, and you know what? If they're struggling, if it's midseason and they're struggling, he's out. I got. I don't know if he gets a full year with everything they put into this team. I don't know if he gets a full year if they struggle. So we'll see. They're they're going to be an interesting one to watch. And now we're down to the last team in the Eastern Conference, the Columbus Crew, the reigning Eastern Conference champions, MLS Cup finalists. Uh, you and I both like them, and and I, they, they, you know the moves they they made some pretty good moves uh, this offseason. And more importantly, they kept their group together. They they're keeping Kai Kamara happy. They signed him to a new contract as a DP. What do you what do you see from them this year? Well, first of all, that's the biggest thing for me, Kai Kamara. I thought I thought the only thing that could derail Columbus was not giving Kai Kamara a new contract because. I think that having an unhappy Kai in the locker room would have been really, really tough for a whole season. My thing is, and and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, where's the weakness? Where, where I, I, I love their roster. I'm a huge Greg Berhalter fan. I like just everything about him. I think being around MLS Cup last year, I, I, I really um, bought in even more to what he does. I, I just think that this is top to bottom the best team in the east i don't know that there are too many places that i could look at and say this is the weakness with columbus that you can attack i just i i really like a lot of things about the columbus crew i don't do you see where do you see their big weakness uh they, they don't really have many and that and and what what people what kind of gets forgotten i think is last year the the pieces that they added in mid-season uh when you talk about sorrow mm-hmm. awful uh, Mabwati, uh, with the depth that he gave, that the the crew team toward the second half of the season and into the playoffs, uh, that team was was outstanding. And and if you think about the fact that they're bringing all these guys back and they're going to have them from the beginning of the season, um, th- that I mean they're going to be better. They're going to be even better. Uh, I don't know. Weekly, that's that's a good question. Is there a weak a weak link for them? Um, I don't know if there's one. They're pretty solid top to bottom. I actually think what what for me what stands out. Is that they do have depth? They do, even though they lost some pieces. You, uh, Portland came over and took Cludy and Jack McInerney, but uh, obviously they, they they've made some pickups as well. Um, so I, 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 like, I like everything about them. I think I think that's why for me, uh, when you when you look at their lineup, it's solid. They have the depth, um, so they're covered in all in all ways. In all ways, they're covered. So I think that's why for me, they're a pretty safe and solid pick to be the number one team in the East. And they play pretty soccer too, man. I, I, I really enjoy watching them play. Um, I, I think that they are going to be a really tough team to beat at home, on the road. They're just very smart in their approach. I think Iguain's going to have a big year. I think Kai Kamara is going to have a huge year. 
Um, I, I, I really like, like we both do. We both had him number one. This is the consensus number one in the East. So we'll, we'll I, see how how smart or dumb we look at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, well, I tell you what, Kai Kamara is interesting, right? I mean, he was very, he was excellent last year. He was dominant. Uh, the contract, I, I'm all for players getting every penny they can get, right? I would never say otherwise. Now, having said that, the, the, I'm just interested to see how this precedent affects the league now. Because if you're, it, I got to think stars all over the league. And I already knew this. I re- even before he signed this deal, I already knew of a laundry list of top players in the league who are not happy with their deals and who are, who are already kind of... Uh, in in some tugs of wars with the team with their with their teams about their deals. Now you got this Kamara's con- uh, contract, and now you wonder how that's gonna that's gonna play across the league because you got a guy. He's been a good pro through his career in MLS, right? He's put up some consistent numbers, but this year was a monster year. And now a guy who didn't do, didn't really do it do well in Europe is an older player. Had one monster year and he gets a million dollar payday. So that 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 it's an interesting precedent. At this, and that's not to say if you're the crew you don't do it because, like you said, you want to keep him happy as as important as he is to your team, and 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 as 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 much as you feel like this could be the year you win the championship, you don't want to mess with that. I totally get why they gave him the deal, and I have no problem with that. But you just wonder how it's going to affect the rest of the league, and that that's going to be interesting for me. And one other point on the Columbus crew for me, Will Trap. Here's a guy who just keeps developing. And let's not forget now, he's another guy. He missed most of the first half of last season. When he came back, they they were a, just a different team. They were just they were a clearly better team. People do not realize how important he is to everything they do. He is the tone setter for them. And I think he he's just going to continue to improve now. With if he can knock on knock knock on wood, if he can stay healthy and play a full season, we're talking about an MLS caliber, MLS best eleven caliber player. I think I think he can take that next step up. Obviously, Chani was excellent last year and, and a good partner for him. But I think Trap, maybe the, I think this is a year where he really starts to to break out even more than he already has. So that that's going to be fun to watch him develop. So to quote Henri, Will Trap. Will Trap, man. Will, Will Trap. Trap. Hey, Henri knows what he's talking about because Henri was on the Will Trap bandwagon early, very early. And, and, and I mean, I'll tell you what. I wasn't always on the Will Trap bandwagon. I still remember when he was on the U20 team and, and, and I didn't get it. I didn't see it. I didn't like it. it like, I, I, I wasn't as big on him as, as maybe, you know, I know Ty Ramos was high on him at the time. But watching him with the crew and you see what he does and, and you see how he, he's the glue, man. He's really the glue that that keeps it all together. And, and I think this year he's going to take another step forward and, and maybe close that gap so he can get into the national team picture. And, and you know what? If the U.S. beats Colombia in the 23s and they get to the Olympics, this that makes this year an even bigger one for him. With the Olympic stage, he'll be on that team. He'll be a starter on that team. So, uh, is this going to be a big year for him? So I'm looking forward to seeing it. So, uh, yeah, the Columbus Crew, number one. So uh, that that's the Eastern Conference, and uh, we've we've run through it all. Uh, we, we didn't leave many stones unturned, and uh, be sure to listen to this in December, and then you can make all make fun of us as much as you like, or give us props for for being being uh, you know being uh, fortune tellers. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, but yeah, so that's it. So we'll we'll uh, we'll cover the Western Conference in the next show. Uh, and we'll have Paul back on uh, again, and, and and we'll have him talk about the West. And what more importantly, as everyone likes to talk about, our predictions. We're going to do our MLS predictions, our awards predictions, our, our MLS Cup predictions, Supporter Shield predictions. Well, we'll do all that on the next episode. Um, but uh, Paul and I need to need to get some work done. 
Uh, I need to watch some TV. Actually, I wish I could watch some TV. I still need to work on our preseason previews. As Paul can as Paul can attest, the, the the week before the start of the season is always the craziest because of all the, all the everything that goes into the preseason stuff, the previews. Oh, no sleep, no sleep till Monday, man. Yes, yes. We're all. I feel like yeah. All the beat, all the MLS right, all the net, like MLS beat writers who really cover the league fully. Uh, yeah, that the Monday after week one is is, is heaven because you, you've kind of gotten over that hump, over that hurdle. So uh, I'm excited, man. Week week one's gonna. It, it's uh, I can't believe it's already here, man. I feel like I was just in in Columbus at the final, and and, and, and here we are. So that's the craziest part, man. There, you know, it, it's funny because in soccer it's like a long off season in MLS, but it's really not for the beat writers, right? Because we go through the draft and everything else, and it's, yep. it's, it's right combine. here again at Combine, yeah. the draft. Right. The next thing you know, you're doing the previews, and that just makes you black out for two weeks until the game starts. So, uh, right. no, I'm excited for the opening week. Man, There are going to be some good games, and, and it means the league's back. That's right, and you start your uh, your TV career, man. That's that's. Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Just for the record, I just want everyone to know. I, I and Paul, uh, Paul has to admit it. I've been telling Paul for a long time he's going to be a star, and he's and he's getting closer. He's going to get there, and I just hope he doesn't forget the little people when he blows up. Well, I don't think that's going to be happening. I got to I, I got I to gotta get through my first broadcast without messing up before yeah. we start talking about anything else. That's right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, for everyone who watches, but and for and I think we covered it before, but just to be clear, uh, Paul is going to be a sideline reporter for the Chicago Fire uh, broadcasts. Uh, he's going to be he's moving to Chicago. He's leaving Orlando. Uh, so everybody wish him well. And, uh, if you have direct kick or, or MLS live and you, and you watch the Chicago broadcast and, and you hear a guy on the sidelines that that'll be him. So looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing how he does. Feel free to heckle me uh, on Twitter after you watch me and send me any notes. Ivis, I know you'll hit me up with the, what I did wrong. <laughs> yes, You're already that, talking about DVRing it to make fun. Uh, of me. I, nah, make fun. I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like John Gruden breaking down all your, all your, there we uh, go. All your stuff. nah, I'm sure you'll do well. You'll do by the end of the year, they'll be doing tent pole, uh, banners for you there. Trust me. That's how, that's how, that's how it's going to go, but we'll see. So, uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, hopefully we can ke- make this, uh, a more common thing where uh, for, again for everybody uh thanks for for listening and i know it was a long wait to bring it back uh i just kind of wanted to get a sense of how we were gonna uh do the format going forward and i think i think going forward we'll, we'll have different guests uh in on a regular basis we'll have players we'll have writers and and you know if i if we can settle in on a on a co-host we'll, we'll do that and i think paul's a pretty good candidate for that although i think i, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford him in a few months once once the world uh uh, c- comes to learn about his TV skills, so so we'll see. Ivis, I, I always will cut you the Ivis deal. <laughs> the Ivis discount, there it is. There it is. SBI discount. So I'm on the record right there. I just there it is. It. Everyone heard it. So there you go. But yeah, thanks for coming out, Paul, and uh, and we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk on the next episode. We have to cover the Western Conference and, and give our picks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to be back. I'm going to go ask them for some advice about these awards because I always get them wrong, and I, I'm going to get at least one right this year. Yeah, most people get them wrong. I, I, I don't know if I got any right uh, last year. Last last year was a particularly bad year, so hopefully uh, hopefully it's a rebound. But uh, that's all for now. Uh, th- thanks for listening, and uh, make sure you tune in to the next episode as we cover the Western Conference and the playoffs. And uh, for Paul Tenorio, I'm Ivan Scalarset. This is the SBI Show. Thank <laughs> you.